This is an ABC podcast. This is Baby Talk Podcast with Penny Johnston. If you're pregnant, how are you approaching your birth? What have you really done to prepare psychologically? Is it something that you've given much time and thought to, or are you planning, just like I did, to kind of wing it? Something that's become more and more obvious to me as I spend time with baby talk and hearing women's birth stories is that birth is something that is huge in your life. It is something that will live with you forever, good, bad, or even neutral. And if someone asks you the right question about your birth, you'll go straight back to that delivery room. Every sound, smell, the people that were there, the lights, and everything that happened comes rushing back, even if it was 50 years ago, which is why everyone deserves a good birth story. She wanted to have no intervention, but on paper she had a lot of intervention. But at the end of it, she described it as the most healing birth experience she could have hoped for. So it's not about how that baby was born or what her hopes were going into it. It was that during the birth she felt held and supported and seen and heard and not rushed. And they're the things that really help lessen any trauma. So yet hiring a doula, it doesn't make you immune to trauma, unfortunately. But we do our best to help you emerge from birth feeling positive about your story, happy, empowered, and if there is going to be another baby without fear for your next birth. Gabrielle Nancaro is a doula and a mother of three. She has just completed writing a beautiful book, The Birth Space, and it's a comprehensive guide to conception, pregnancy, birth, and the postpartum period. So for women who are embarking on that parenting journey, What are the most important things you need to know to prepare to have a great birth story? Gabrielle Nancaro, it is lovely to meet you. Are you happy to tell us the story of how you became a doula or birth attendant? It was such an interesting journey, so I'll tell you the story. I was pregnant with my first child in New York City in 2013 And I was working at Victoria's Secret as an editorial director there. And I had, so it was a big job. There was lots of travel. It was fun. It was really intense, uh, exhausting work. It also sounds glamorous as heck. Yeah, it was. Lots of like the fashion show every year, private jets, photo shoots. Like it was amazing for that time of my life. Like no children living with my husband in New York and It was fun. I had a really good time, but also just so much work, you know, crazy hours and um, meeting my husband for dinner at 10 o'clock at night was just totally normal for our lifestyle. So I got pregnant and I I started doing yoga, but I was really honestly quite disconnected from my pregnancy and also from the fact that I was going to give birth and be a mother and everything. It's what I'd always wanted and I was very excited, but I just... I couldn't quite separate my life as it was. And then the the feeling of having a baby felt so abstract and I just wasn't sure how it was all going to work. And so I think I sort of just, you know, enjoyed my pregnancy and was like, I'll worry about that when the time comes. So I didn't really prepare for birth or anything like that, especially not for postpartum. And then about when I was about 35 weeks pregnant, my yoga teacher sort of gently said to me, I think you might benefit from getting a doula. I've just sort of, I don't feel like you're that that prepped for birth and you're birthing in a hospital in America. And, 
you know, it's a pretty intense environment. And yet I think she just knew that I had no idea what I was doing, which was really lovely of her. So I said, what's a doula? I've got no idea. I've never even heard of a doula before. And she just sort of talked to me about what it was and, and what they can provide. And that weekend, my husband and I went along to Carriage House Birth, which is a birth space in Brooklyn in New York. And they have a collective of doulas there. And I met my doula that morning and she came on board as part of our birth team straight away. And in the few weeks before my daughter was born, she came at 39 weeks. So in the period of time, maybe a month, she just educated us and opened the doors to so many things that we had not had any idea about or even knew to think about. So we'd done, you know, hospital birth classes and we had an obstetrician, but we'd not, you know, honestly had, we really didn't have any education up until that point. She held us in a way that we needed to be held, but we didn't realize we needed. So the education of birth, but also the emotional support that had just been lacking and starting to prepare us for postpartum and life with a baby and it changed our worlds and then she was at my birth it was a really empowering birth and she supported my husband and I through it and you know I sort of looked I honestly looked at her when my daughter was on my chest I pulled her up put her on my chest I looked at my doula and I said I want to do what you do like what you've just given us was the greatest gift and I can't even imagine going back to my job, like what I was doing before, like this is when my daughter's minutes old. I just said that that's wild, but like, I just feel like I've found what I want to do just through having her as, as our doula was amazing. So it really wasn't, you know, an immediate thing for me. I went back to work full time when my daughter was four months old, which was really hard on all of us, I think as a family unit. Um, but especially on me, I sort of, didn't really, I didn't really allow myself to sort of sink into the motherhood space. I just had a few months off and went straight back to work full time. And my daughter had a nanny for a lot of that time. And I just felt, I just didn't, it didn't really feel right to me. It was really hard for me to sort of mother, but not be present. And so I think, and I also, you know, went back into that crazy world and burnt out just pretty quickly. So I think my daughter was about maybe 18 months old when we eventually left New York and I kind of made that call I sort of said I you know I don't I don't think I can be here anymore and and do this job and and be present and be the mother I want to be it was just too much so we left New York came back to Australia and the whole time in the back of my mind I thought doula 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 it's just what I want to do it just feels so right and after her birth I became just a total birth nerd I read all the books watched so many films just got really deep into it but it wasn't actually until after my second daughter's birth that I trained as a doula so my eldest daughter was I think four at that point and my youngest daughter was seven months when I trained as a doula and I actually went back to New York so we were living in Australia again but I went back to New York back to carriage house birth where I found my doula and I did their training there so I trained then and so that was five years ago now and and I, yeah, I've been working ever since and it just feels so right to me. It's just like what I love more than anything. And while it's the hardest 
job in the world to manage with three children because I've since had another baby. And my husband, who also has quite a full-on job, being on call and doing this work is not practical and it's not easy, but it we make it work. And I feel like the universe helps us make it work because lots of my births end up being on a weekend, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, it, just, it all just works and I just love it. And um, I just feel very lucky to have found something that makes sense to me. It took me a while to get there. Like I'm turning 40 this year. So I'm, yeah, it's taken me a while, but really the last five years have just just been such such a dream and such an honor to be in the birth space with families it's been amazing you know when you you were telling this story I, I'm just waiting for you to tell me that you had this absolutely awful birth and it was a disaster <laughs> and kudos to your yoga teacher though because yeah. life could have gone in a completely different way for you yeah it absolutely could have I mean my birth was amazing and we managed to it was an 18-hour labour, but I got to hospital at 6pm and she was born at 8pm. So of, of that time, I was only in hospital for two hours. And I think that's why it went well. I think America is, there's a higher level of medicalization and intervention in birth, similar to Australia. But, it, you know, it's, it was a foreign system to me. So I was so lucky that she was there to, yeah, keep us out of hospital <laughs> for as long as possible. Doulas are, are starting to become a real thing in Australia and I'm sure there's there's training available here and you must have yeah. come across some other people that have trained here. What was mm -hmm. it that was unique about your training that pushed you to go to all the effort of going back to New York? I think I just felt very aligned with the way that Carriage House Birth taught and the doulas there, the three principal doulas who created that space and created the doula training, I felt just very aligned to their vision and what they were looking to do. And the training was very modern, which like some of the trainings in Australia was sort of a bit, just felt to me a little bit like not so in touch with the current system. And the carriage house birth training was very much about no judgment, whatever the birthing person wants, you show up and support. So you show up to elective caesareans, you show up to epidural births, you show up to home births and you bring no judgment, you bring none of your story. And I just really wanted to learn more about that and how to do that and how to prep birthing people in that way and just to know more about the system in a universal sense, I think. And there were doula trainings in Australia at the time, but there aren't many and there still really aren't many. So I just felt so connected to that space since having found my doula there and I also you know in the back of my mind while I was still training as a doula I wanted to come I wanted to create this space in a, in Melbourne called Gather that I have now and I and I really were in, was inspired by a lot of what Carriage House Birth was doing and they were really supportive of me and sort of mentoring me through that as well so just to go back there and be with them and be in that space with them and connect with them was just what I sort of wanted and, and it did work out really well in the end the training it took me about a year to be certified there's about a six months of pre-work but the training itself was four days in person so I only had to go to New York for a week and do the four-day training and then I could come home and then there was about six months of post-work and then five births to become certified with carriage house birth so in person it was just four days sort of out of my life and my time but it was probably a year process before I was certified. How does it feel to be stepping into that space for other mothers? Is the job everything that you hoped it would be? So it is. It's, um, it is because I feel I get such, oh, I don't know, I feel like there's nothing else, there's no other role that I could do that could be this satisfying to really, really support and educate families and help. I don't know. 
love the word empower because I feel like the power is within them, but I really feel like just being by their side and being the person that provides continuity of care when most birthing people in our system as it stands don't have continuity of care or access to somebody for more than like a 10 minute appointment here and there. Like it's just sort of in and out. There's a lot of focus in the maternity system on the physical health of mum and baby, obviously, because that is priority. But then there's the emotional health that really doesn't get the time that these women deserve. So having a doula by your side and me providing that space and asking the questions and asking them how they're feeling in this moment, asking them about their past, their past, their histories, their stories, their traumas, their partner as well, if they are as a partner, and sort of working with them and sitting with them in that space and helping them process so much that they just haven't been given time and space to do in any other way, shape or form through their pregnancy. And it just, for me, just watching them even in the moment and then watching them move closer to their birth, becoming positive and excited and so ready for their birth, like there honestly isn't any other job I can imagine doing. So that side of things is so positive. What I found really, really difficult, and I have taken a bit of time off recently. I did have a baby about 18 months ago, so I took some time off to be with him, but a little bit more time than I was um, planning on doing. And I think it was because prior to his birth, I was doing up to two births a month for three years, and it was a lot. And I think when you're working predominantly in the system, in the hospital system, I've also witnessed a lot of trauma. I've also unfortunately witnessed a lot of abuse and it's been really um, quite hard as the space holder there to not only witness it but also help the birthing person and the partner if there's a partner process that postpartum. So that I think for a lot of doulas is a lot and the vicarious trauma that we might bring and have is yeah really sort of sometimes quite hard to feel like we want to keep going in this work even though we love it so much we have to know that if it's time to take a break it's time to take a break so we don't we don't stop the work are you working mainly in the private sector the people that take you on as their doula do they mm. have a private obstetrician or are you in the public sector so about 50 50 actually and then I do like a number of home births as well so yeah, I think about with my, probably with my past families that I've supported, maybe 30% private, 70% public, including some home births in there. So yeah, mainly public, I would say, but yes, definitely private setting as well. So is it harder? It depends where we are. So at yeah. home births, midwives love doulas and we get, you know, we really compliment each other in the care. And I, I would say that goes for the um, public system as well, because in the public system, the midwives, I find, you know, I've, you know, without, you know, without fail, they've always been so wonderful in the space. And because they have a lot of overheads, a lot of admin, a lot of responsibility, true midwives at heart, they really want to be doing the work of a doula. Like they want to be doing that emotional support. They want to be doing the physical support, the hip squeezes, the massage, positioning like they want to do all of that and sometimes there's time for that and sometimes there's not so knowing that there's a doula there to help support the birthing person sort of they can sort of take a breath and say okay amazing like we've got you and we can work together and I find that we work really seamlessly and I've not been in a situation in this whole five years where it's been um, difficult or awkward in any setting in the private setting too but what I have come across more so in the private setting is obstetricians who have said you don't need a doula, why would you want a doula, you know, 
Saki Doula, you've got me. And that's what I find really, really hard because we provide such different support to what an obstetrician will provide. But we, what we do do is sort of help a birthing person navigate the system and question things and not always just sort of consent without thinking about it. So that's sort of been some areas where it's been quite hard sometimes to navigate, but also it feels good to sort of say to a birthing person, you know, you, you've got, you know, you've got to push for informed consent here. You've got to understand what you're consenting to before you consent to something. So it's really just us providing the empowerment to know that they've got a choice and they have rights in the space. And I think that's really important for every birthing person. For obstetricians that have come up through the old school system that when I say goes and, mm-hmm. you know, when I say yeah. jump, it's how high. Yeah. You have a little bit of a irritant to them? Yes. Yeah. If that's how they are, definitely. But I think the... Yeah, I think so. Probably the fact that we, the the fact that you know the people they're supporting are challenging things, but I think everyone needs to know that they have a right to really question because this is their care, and we've got such high rates of birth trauma in Australia, and I think it's really, really important that women know what they're consenting to and that they are doing it for medical reasons versus potentially a schedule of the obstetrician or other reasons that aren't personal to them. I think there's a lot that birthing people sort of come up against, induction being the biggest one, I think. And, yeah, I do know there are obstetricians in Melbourne who will induce everyone at 39 weeks. That's their protocol and that's what they do. And I think it's important for the person going to that obstetrician to know that that's sort of what they do. So that's okay for that obstetrician if that's what they want to do. The person going there needs to understand, you know, are they aligned to that? Do they feel right about that? Is that right for their body, for their baby, for their birth? And really question things. So if I'm supporting someone and they really want to go private, then I say, okay, there's, you know, here's a list of questions to talk to the obstetrician about. Ask them what their cesarean rate is. Ask them what their induction rate is, what their episiotomy rate is, what their assisted delivery rate is. And if they're high, then that may be, you know, you've got more of a chance of that being your story because you're seeing someone who has high rates of this. And there are obstetricians who have very low rates of those things. So if that's not what you want for your birth, then let's find you an obstetrician who actually, you know, their stats do match what they're saying and they don't want to intervene unless medically necessary. And there are obstetricians out there who absolutely are hands off. But more often than not, you've got a higher chance of having intervention if you're in the private setting versus the public. But it's about navigating that and understanding that and knowing what's right for you and your birth. And some people just feel absolutely so much more comfortable with an obstetrician and that's wonderful and we work with that and we support that and and we do what we can to work with within that system. More and more women are talking about birth trauma. Is having a doula a guarantee against that? (laughs) (laughs) So I hope, yeah, it's that's... So what I, where I see, let me talk about trauma for a second, because really I've sort of seen in my experience is that it's not how it's not your it's not how your baby's born, whether that's vaginally with an epidural, cesarean, in you know, a birth pool at home or in the hospital. It's not really how that baby's born. It's about how you feel about the story of your baby's birth. And so, what we're there as doulas to do is to show up and support you and help you navigate a situation that can become quite overwhelming and do what we can to help you feel informed in control, in your power to make decisions because we don't always know how birth is going to play out. We just have no idea about that. So at every turn throughout the birth, we're there to say, okay, 
this is happening and this is what you felt about this. Let's talk about it again and let me support you through this. And if someone comes into the birth space and says, you know, we have to do this, there's no option anymore. We have to go along with this. We sort of stop and reset. And if it's not a true emergency, we ask for time and we ask for space to really consider what's been advised and to see how they're feeling about that. And I think sometimes we can help lessen the trauma if we just ask for that time and space. They don't feel bullied or coerced or rushed into making a decision that later they regret. So I had one beautiful woman I was supporting once who was hoping to have a VBAC, a vaginal birth after a previous cesarean, and she ended up having another cesarean, and it was a really long labour. It was, I think, over... I was with her for over 30 hours. It was it was really long. And on paper, she wanted to have no intervention, but on paper she had a lot of intervention. But at the end of it, she described it as the most healing birth experience she could have hoped for. So it's not about how that baby was born or what her hopes were going into it. It was that during the birth she felt held and supported and seen and heard and not rushed. And they're the things that really help lessen any trauma. So yet hiring a doula, it doesn't make you immune to trauma, unfortunately, but we do our best to help you emerge from birth feeling positive about your story, happy, empowered, and if there is going to be another baby without fear for your next birth. So that's, you know, our role and that's what we hope to do for everybody. How much work do women need to do? Is there also some responsibility for you to do the work beforehand yeah I think there is I think it's just about sort of having someone sort of sit with you and explain that birth is big birth is one of the biggest transformational experiences that we can go through and it does bring up a lot of things from our past so through pregnancy through birth through postpartum our stories will come up and that can be anything from past loss including abortion or miscarriage to any traumas sexual abuse sexual assault anything like great losses in your life, relationships with your family, with your mother. There's so many things that can potentially come up. They don't always, but it's important for us to sort of talk through those, acknowledge those, process those. And, you know, I'm really careful in my role as a doula. I'm not a psychologist. So if I feel like we're stepping out of the boundaries of, you know, my capacity for support, then I'm always referring them on to get additional support if needed but sometimes it is just a safe space to acknowledge their past and and what's happened so that they're not so that they're processing that and and not bringing it into the birth space and I find even as we get closer to birth there are things that might not have come up to a certain point but I feel like they're coming they're they're eventually going to come and often it's close close to sort of the due date or or post 40 weeks when we start to have these conversations and then they can feel like they can process, let go, feel safe. And that's when labour often kicks off, which is really interesting. I'm assuming that women have taken this role since the year dot or probably a bit before Mm. that. But when you did your training, was there much of that traditional secret women's business that you felt was part of It, it? Yeah, not so much in the spoken word, but just being in a room full of women, which I hadn't really done before. Like I hadn't trained for anything in a room full of just women and it just felt very safe and held and we felt like we were all there for the the same reasons. And it's just, yeah, absolutely like the village, the supporting of women and, and women's business has always, always, always happened. But as we get more into the modern day, unfortunately, we've kind of lost that sense of having that support. And I feel like so many people go through pregnancy and birth quite lonely. Like, you know, I have, I support a lot of second and third time parents who, 
their partners initially didn't want a doula. They're like, oh, I can do it. You know, I can support you. And they sort of said, okay, no problem. Then afterwards, the partner and the birthing person have said, yeah, we really could have benefited from a doula because you don't know until you go into the experience, really do. So, yeah, so then I've been in that space with them. And it is just creating that, yeah, that sense of support and being held in a way that everybody needs but I guess we don't all realize we need it until the time comes. I'm so interested to hear that you can only help two women a month and even that is a heavy load for you to carry. I hadn't ever thought of asking how often you can be present at a birth but for everybody Mm. that can't fit into your very tight schedule you've written a book (laughs) which is beautiful. I I think it really sort of throws back to your Victoria's Secret days too. It's quite lovely. Oh Thank you so much. So tell me about wanting to do that. Was that to spread yourself a little further? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, I had always wanted to write a book, I think, because that's my background. Writing is my background. I've been a writer forever. And I felt like, you know what, people were coming to me always. I was doing prenatal sessions with people and and I was sharing information. I was talking to them about the system and and their rights in the space and and just talking about things that, you know, I have learned since becoming a mother and since training as a doula and I feel like everyone left those sessions saying, I cannot believe we didn't know this. Like, why isn't anyone telling us this information? And that was always the constant kind of message. And so in the back of my mind, I thought, definitely want to write a book one day, but mothering, doulering, running my business, it just was not going to happen. And then I connected with an editor at Hardy Grant just through a mutual connection. And she reached out to me actually and said, can you pitch a book? We would love to publish a birth book and, and you've, you know, your name's come up a little bit. So we'd love to see a pitch from you, like what, what kind of book would you write? And so that was motivation for me to write the pitch. And then I didn't hear from them for a couple of months. And so I thought, okay, maybe... <laughs> Maybe it's not what they wanted. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, so at the beginning of 2020, I think we'd just gone into lockdown. We'd been in lockdown a few weeks and I was pregnant with my third baby and I was severely sick with morning sickness, like could not get off the couch. And I got my book deal then. (laughs) And I was like, wow. Okay. And then I think that was March. I think the deadline was August and my baby was bought, was due in September and it was the pandemic and it was a lot. And I just said, no, I'm doing this. Like I have to do what I can. It, it, for a moment, I was like, can can this happen? I was like, no, this needs to happen. I've got so much in me that needs to come out. And in the end, it didn't, it was a lot of work, but it felt effortless. The whole, the whole book felt really effortless. And I felt really privileged because in my work um, in Melbourne and also in the US, I've always had really strong connections with women working in the birth space. So to begin the book, I reached out to a lot of those women and interviewed them and talked to them to get their perspective. So it wasn't just my voice through the book, but it was the voice of really wise and wonderful women working in birth. And then storytelling is my favorite thing in the world. I feel like everyone can learn so much from hearing stories. And so another thing that I really wanted to be a part of the book was women's stories. So their experiences of solo motherhood, IVF, motherhood late in life, pregnancy loss, birth loss, birth stories, and then stories of matrescence and postpartum. So they are also woven through the book as well. So there's a, it's information dense, but it's, it's not a, what I've, the feedback that I've gotten from everyone is that it's the easiest book to read. So while it's big, it just feels easy to pick up and just read parts of it and not feel sort of weighted down in a birth narrative that I feel like 
that's really what I, you know, I'm sort of happy, so happy to hear that because I really wanted to be able to provide this information without it feeling too dense. And I think that's what's been achieved through the beautiful photography and design and all the other voices that are within the book. And you don't step away from the queer community either. You've got some uh, lovely examples in there. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, all families, all families represented. The other thing that I really like is that you realise that it, your work of support doesn't quite stop once the baby's popped out. You don't just sure, yeah. pack up and say, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, that's when sometimes a doula is needed more than ever. Birth is one or two days and it matters and it has huge impacts on our life. But postpartum, goodness, that space that, you know, we prepare most of us prepare for birth but not many of us really prepare for the postpartum period and what we really need practically so that we're nourished and supported and able to care for a new baby postpartum is such an important time for care so we have i think i mentioned at gather we have a collective of doulas so i have 30 doulas that work out of our space and i connect families with doulas and throughout the pandemic we've been getting a lot more inquiries actually for postpartum doulas because women and families have not had the support around them that they'd hoped to have and and they're acknowledging that they need that and we're getting better at asking for help and so people are investing in this time which is so good to see yeah everything from just that emotional space because you know what it's like when you have a baby and you get home and you're so happy but then you just cry all the time and then you're happy and then you just cry and the hormones and the emotions you're learning to breastfeed you're learning to parent you're learning your little newborn's ways and there's just so much but then who's holding you and feeding you and nourishing you and making sure that you're resting and healing from your birth so having someone there in that space to do that is so important so that's like really just like the magic of doula work right there just having that supported space and that held space for a new family is so so needed and wonderful and you know I really wish there was Medicare rebates for this kind of thing because it's essential care and support because beyond this you know we sort of have our babies and get told to come back for a six-week checkup where you know it's it's not enough like there's so much lacking there and yeah we just need so much support and we have such high rates of postpartum depression and anxiety and also psychosis and it's not okay that we're not sort of providing more more support I just wish everyone had access to a postpartum doula I think our families and our communities would be so much better off after this this whole thing the three babies the book studying yeah. the whole doula cooperative and everything mm-hmm. do you wish that you could just wish back in time to that crazy high-flying <laughs> new yorker that was gonna just <laughs> pop out a baby and head back to work yeah. What, yeah. what would you would you want to shake yourself <laughs> would you want to go listen no. honey take a seat no i wouldn't i don't i wouldn't change it for the world honestly it was such a great experience it was such a wonderful life i miss new york so i really miss aspects of new york i, I miss everything about it Honestly, I'd love to go back there and take my family back there, but not the job was wonderful for the time that it was in my life. It was perfect, but there's just, you know, I could get into a huge conversation on parental leave in the US and how woeful it is and there's no support for families and I felt completely just drained, depleted, exhausted, and I was trying my best to just keep going and 
you know, I just, I just couldn't do it. So I don't miss that side of things. I don't miss the fact that I, yeah, I struggled and I pumped for my daughter for over a year. I could barely breastfeed her because I was at work the whole time. And that makes me sad. It makes me sad to think back over that year of her life. And even though she was thriving and very happy, I miss so much of it. And it's not really what I wanted for my motherhood journey. So I feel like now I've found what I want to do and I've been able to carve out space to be there and present for my children, take them to school, pick them up and then work flexibly as much as possible so that I can do what I want to do, but also be there for my children, be present for my children. So I have got another book deal. I am writing another book, but I feel like this next book is taking a lot longer than the first one just because I have another child now. I've got a schoolgirl, a kinder girl, and I'm just I'm just doing what I can at the moment to, to prioritize the different parts of my life, but still make this net, next project happen because it really it really means a lot to me to get this done as well. So it's exciting. Have you reconnected with your yoga teacher that gave you such great uh, advice? No, I haven't. I saw her. I used to. So I went back to yoga after my daughter's birth in New York, back to her because she was my favorite teacher. And so afterwards in the first few months, yeah, I definitely connected with her afterwards and shared that I had the doula and it was all a really good experience. But not since then, way back in 2014, have I spoken to her, no. Gabrielle Nancaro, doula and author of The Birth Space. And Gabrielle also curates Gather, which is a space for women in pregnancy, and that's based in Melbourne. Another interesting website to explore. You can subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss an episode. Past episodes of Baby Talk have included Mandy Maloney, who has written slightly tongue-in-cheek, but still a great book about birth called Pregnancy Virgin. I think a lot of us go in thinking, oh, yes, we, we might throw up for a few weeks and we'll get a bigger belly and then we might scream during labour and that's kind of all we touch on. We don't go into the nitty-gritty. That was last week's episode of Baby Talk, which is available in all the regular podcast places. I'm Penny Johnston and I'll see you next time on Baby Talk. ABC Baby Talk is a weekly podcast on ABC Digital Radio, wherever you get your podcasts and on the ABC Listen app. Like us on Facebook to find out as soon as a new episode is ready. Just search for ABC Baby Talk. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.